Welcome to another episode of PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Soboleski. Your time is valuable and so is mine, and that's why I release these brief episodes focused on a single clinical topic. And today, inspired by the recent heroic actions of medical care providers here in my city of Cincinnati, let's talk about commotio cordis, which is derived from the Latin agitation of the heart. The medical definition is sudden cardiac death secondary to blunt, non-penetrating anterior precordial impact. Fortunately, this is very rare. What has to happen is that a hard object strikes the anterior chest wall during the 20 to 40 millisecond window on the upslope of the T-wave. So this is during early ventricular repolarization. That has the potential to cause immediate ventricular fibrillation. Furthermore, only an impact directly over the cardiac silhouette can cause V-fib. Because these events are so rare, we don't know a ton about exactly what objects or velocity cause them, but based on some experimental models, as the velocity of the projectile increases up to 40 miles an hour, the incidence of V-fib goes up. But objects at greater than 40 miles an hour, V-fib is probably a little less likely and the frequency of structural damage to the heart, including myocardial rupture or cardiac contusion, increases. So if you are a high school player and you get hit in the chest by a line drive, which can often come off the bat at 80 to 85 miles an hour, you're probably more likely to suffer a cardiac contusion than you are to have commotio cordis. The hardness of the object plays a role as well. Harder objects are more likely to cause V-fib. So an inflated ball like a tennis ball or a soccer ball is less likely than a baseball or a hockey puck. Based on a national registry, there's been over 200 confirmed cases of commotio cordis in the published literature. Young people are more commonly affected. 95% are males, and the mean age is about 15 years. 75% of cases happen during sports most of which are reported with blunt projectiles, baseball, lacrosse, and hockey, or direct physical contact like getting tackled in football. And so why are younger patients, teenagers, more susceptible to commotio cordis? Well, part of it is just that more of them are active in sports where they could get injured. Also, the chest wall is smaller and less stiff than that in adults. Interestingly, there hasn't necessarily been a particular type of chest protector that has been shown to decrease the risk. And so let's talk about management on the field. So every time I go to a Little League game or I'm at a sports event, I'm always looking around for the AED, and I suggest you do so as well. Commotio cordis is an electrical event. And again, V-fib is the most likely initial documented arrhythmia. Time is paramount. Remember, the brain can only go without oxygen for four to six minutes or less. So early CPR and AED use can save lives. We have a role in our jobs to advocate for CPR and AED training by lay bystanders. The goal on the field is to continue high quality CPR and to place the automated defibrillator as soon as possible. This means removing jerseys or other protective equipment to get the pads directly in contact with the skin calling 911 and getting emergency services to the site as fast as possible is critically important. Patients that have return of spontaneous circulation should be taken to a level one trauma center if nearby. 
survivors of commotio cordis will undergo a comprehensive cardiac evaluation to look at structural or congenital heart disease or other arrhythmias. So these are EKGs, ambulatory EKG monitorings, echo, cardiac MRIs. Some patients need defibrillator placement and other long-term follow-up. It is possible to return to athletics after recovering from commotio cordis. All right, let's sum it up. So again, commotio cordis results from a direct blow to the anterior chest wall, which occurs during ventricular repolarization and leads to V-fib and cardiac arrest. Management is high-quality CPR, early use of an automated external defibrillator, and activation of emergency services. And though the diagnosis can be suspected based on a witness blow followed by almost instantaneous collapse, patients need to go through a thorough evaluation to rule out structural heart damage to confirm the diagnosis. And thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode. I waited a little bit to release it until it could feel a bit more educational and inspiring, and I hope you will feel the same way. If you have any feedback or suggestions for additional topics, send them my way. I'll take an email. I'll take a comment on the blog. I'll take a review on your favorite podcast site or even a direct message on Twitter. For Pem Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast, this has been Brad Soboleski. See you next time.